Hello and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and a big thank you to C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV for their sponsorship. I truly appreciate you. This is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Today, I'm with Jeremy Larkins, Executive Director of Australia's Peak Customer Service Body, the Customer Service Institute of Australia. Just as the Customer Service Institute of America has the exclusive North American rights to certify organisations against the International Customer Service Standard, so in Australia, the Customer Service Institute of Australia assesses organisations to be certified to the international standard. The standard helps organisations improve quality and effectiveness of all aspects of customer service strategy, policies and systems. Welcome, Jeremy Larkins. So, Jeremy, we're going to talk about the International Customer Service Standards. You're from the Customer Service Institute of Australia and combined with the Customer Service Institute of America, these standards were created ooh, 20 years ago? Yeah, over 20 years ago now, Nina, and it's great to be here. 20, well, over 25 years ago, Um International Council of Customer Service Organisations came together and Australia and, and America and some consortiums from Asia and in parts of Europe all joined together and said, how can we work together globally to improve customer service standards? And that group took the uh, International Customer Service Standard and made that uh, the tool that they used and, and brought the, the standard brought um, some scientific theory to life for organisations so they could actually use it in a practical way to, to measure how well they're focused on their customers or, or not. Absolutely, because it has a self-assessment and a point score and you can work out uh, how you're travelling based on this standard. Now, is it something that people have to buy from the CSIA or how do they get it? Look, you can request a copy of the standard, absolutely, and you can you can use it as a tool in your organisation and, and there's many that do that. What we provide at a commercial level is the, the formal measurement, formal certification by one of our accredited and professional certification team. And it's absolutely wonderful. And back in uh, oh, over a decade, I actually attended that accreditation and became accredited as an assessor of the standards. Even though I didn't follow that path, I was, uh, I was using it with the former president as an opportunity for me to design our customer service training that kind of mapped back to the standards. And the interesting thing is whenever we do customer service training uh, here in Australia, uh, either myself or one of our uh, expert facilitators, the next step I always recommend is get a copy of the standards, start cross-referencing which aspects are you doing well, which which do you need to which do you need to uh, put in place and start this whole process of intention, implementation, and integration, which is uh, a really a three step process that's in the standard. So, do yeah, you find, that's brilliant. Uh, do organisations find that when they're actually at, at the point of um, 
comparing how they sit against the standards that a lot of them have got uh, some of the things in place, uh, but there are things that the gaps that they didn't even think that they needed to do. Oh, that's absolutely right. I think there's always um, organisations who think they're going to get a really good assessment and get a bit of a surprise um, as to the gaps that they do have in their customer service systems and customer service management systems. And, um, you know, we've had examples in our um, magazine where organisations have then implemented those initial findings and really improved in in just a 12-month period. And, and one that was in our magazine in 2017 or 18 was was Stryker, who's a, a global supplier of medical supplies and devices, uh, they got quite a surprise the first time we assessed them and then, but but really used the information we provided very well to really improve. Um, but other organisations, yes, they, they um, are very strong and, and we were able to highlight their strengths for them. Lovely. Because the standards is an opportunity for an organisation to find out what they don't know they don't know. Yeah, that's really true. And to even go through the process of uh, of applying, uh, you know, for accreditation, it's almost like engaging a consultant, but at the end you've got a seal of approval that you can take to the marketplace and say, look at us, we are now accredited in the International Customer Service Standard. Yeah, it's so true. And I think there's, that's one of the ways that some, so some organisations, they're really after that uh, external recognition to say, hey, look, we are an organisation that takes customer service seriously and we've had our systems audited and we know that we're trying to focus on best practice. You do have other organisations who are really interested in that internal review and reflection and are really interested in the continuous improvement, as you mentioned, starting at the intention and moving towards that integration. Financial perspective, productivity and growth. Yes. To understand the connection between the customer experience and organisational performance. So customer retention, revenue, profitability and customer volume. And in earlier episodes, we've we've actually had speakers talk about the connection with if you focus on culture, profitability follows. So if you mm. focus on customer service, profitability automatically follows. So tell us about that. Absolutely. Please. And that, that, that what you've um, hit on there is absolutely the crux of the standard. It's why it exists. Um, so, and, and the standard also talks about culture. So it talks about um, and assesses and measures organisations in terms of their employee engagement and focus, the way that they operationalise their business and the way that they measure um, their success. All of that and, and 3.1 within the standard actually says, can you measure the correlation between your customer service systems, your customer focus, and your organisational performance? And interestingly, that um, even in very high-performing organisations, it's always the area that organisations struggle with the most to actually correlate their investments in CX, digital, staff learning and engagement, and actual customer performance leading into organisational growth. So there's a lot of work in organisations to do that. You know, uh, it's reminded me of something that I talk about with customers when they're uh, trying to decide, you know, should I spend money on learning and development, improving the competencies of our staff? I say, don't see it as a training cost. Take it from the marketing budget, because if you retain your customers, you won't need to spend money on marketing to get new ones. Isn't that right? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's, I think that's a, a great anecdote. 
Now, another perspective is customer insights, and it's the ability to articulate what is best practice in customer experience to the broader business. So it assumes that we're at the, the, the senior leaders are actually talking about customer service to the broader business. So do you find that's a little bit of a shock to some uh, businesses that it's kind of behind the scenes and it's not sort of top of mind with the broader organisation? Yeah, and I think that's evolved a lot in the last, say, five to 10 years. Um, and a lot more organisations are, you know, customer focused, or at least they say they are. Um, but I find that where that particular uh, customer insights particularly falls down and, and that communication piece, often it stops at the organization's doors and doesn't go out further. Who are our partners? Who are our suppliers? Who are our supplier suppliers? How well are we communicating to them? How well are we working with them to understand the customer journey and how you know, a deliver, someone who's delivering, for instance, a parcel for a, a retailer, that's all part of the customer experience. How can we improve that? So, so absolutely, um, it's an area that most organisations find that they can improve in. And it's just actually uh, going to the trouble of saying, if you get a comment from a customer, whether it's on an email or over the phone, just log it and send it and give them an address to send it to. I mean, and then have someone else be assigned to actually correlate all these different suggestions because out of the mouths of our customers can come some of the best innovations. Isn't that right? Well, that I mean, that's the standard is really at its core. It's all about service and product design. Yeah. It's completely built from customer input. The, the trend is not so much customer service but customer experience. So do we still use both terms or does CX customer experience override the old customer service term? I, they're actually... They're actually two separate things. So customer experience to me, and look, I know the words are interchanged and probably misused at times, but for me, customer experience is that entire customer experience. So what the product or service actually feels like, how they engage with it in the first place, how they engaged with the organisation they purchased it from, how easy was it. Within those, within that engagement point, so when, when the customers start to interact with the organisation, that's where the service comes in. So it's, it's actually at that point. But service itself requires all that planning, blueprinting, journey mapping, personas, in order to optimise customer service as they go through that experience. Mm. And, that and it also as part of customer insights, which I think is sort of really <laughs> the nub of the, uh, of the standard. Um, understanding the lifetime value of a customer, that's, that's definitely one of the modules in our workshops where, you know, you might, it's not about taking uh, or, or thinking, oh, that's a, a couple of hundred dollars, that interaction. How many times do they order this couple of hundred dollars and over how many years? Oh, absolutely. And it's even, you know, it might be a, a small value purchase that people do one off, but you've got to think about what is that person going to do with that product? How are they going to communicate that to their family, friends and colleagues? So are you going to generate a whole kind of a small volume, one-off, one-offs understanding that the value of the customer customer may not be in their own purchases, but by their influencing decisions on others. So it has many aspects. Mm. Uh, now, the, another perspective is customer relationship. And one of the attributes is having a customer charter. Mm. And that's been in the standard for as long as I can remember, yes. uh, maybe a customer charter on their website. And I can name a couple of companies in Australia, at least, that are very, very good about having a customer charter. Am I, am I allowed to say, Amy? 
Oh, of course you can. <laughs> because I remember when I was, uh, it's double AMI in Australia. I'm not sure if they're global as well, but uh, whenever I had, I still have insurance with them, but if I got something in the mail, I had a little, lovely little um, a small flyer that was nice and glossy that was their charter. Mm. And then if you went to their website, you could click on the charter. So few companies have that. I think an energy company had it. I suppose more people have it now. Would that be right, Jeremy? Yeah, I think often it's not branded as a customer charter because um, that's not, you know, modern customer charter is probably language from the 90s and early 2000s. But we still call it a customer charter. But essentially, it's it's your customer promises. And are they accessible? Are they communicated internally? Uh, so often organisations start with understanding and developing their own customer values. Um, and then from that, they they build out a series of customer promise, promises, customer commitments, or customer service charter. So we see that most organisations have something, um, but often it's not interconnected between their customers, the staff, marketing, um, and the whole organisation. Yeah. Now, still in the perspective of customer relationship, you talk about this is so important, empowering staff to resolve issues and complaints. Mm. And I also noticed that you've got a revised version of the complaints handling framework. So, I mean, to answer that question, do we need to sort of talk about how handling complaints has changed over the years? Yeah, I think that's a really good um, viewpoint. So obviously handling complaints has changed. And I think um, we've moved from sort of the, the very crude, the customer is always right, to a more sophisticated complaints handling methodology that most organisations use these days. Um, and, you know, obviously most organisations have a very similar training foundations about being empathetic, by being listening to the customer, by making sure that you understand what the customer wants and then trying to respond quickly and, and making it easy for the customer in what they might be complaining about. But not all customer complaints are justified and, and some are downright right abusive. <laughs> I guess what we look for in the standard is, that do you have a complaints handling framework? Um, do you train your staff to use that framework? How do you measure the success of that framework? And again, it goes back to that customer input. So complaints are a fantastic bit of customer feedback. This is really the trick. How do you motivate the frontline workers to offer uh, that discretionary effort mm. that's required to, to give good customer service, especially when senior leaders are trying so hard to improve the reputation and do what's right. But then it's got to drill down to frontline uh, uh, the frontline teams, mm. what's the what's the secret to motivating maybe the the ones that aren't naturally what we call customer service champions? Yeah, Some need a little uh, bit more nudging in the right direction. <laughs> Some people might. I think that we 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 think that it's it's possible to unleash the customer service champion in everyone. I think that yes, you've hit the nail on the head. Leadership has to be customer focused and be communicating that as a whole but how do we how do we get a, a frontline worker who might be there for 20 years has always done the same thing they need a big nudge we, <laughs> we we unlock the why should i care so why should i really care about creating a great great customer experience today and we bring it back into why should they care personally what's in it for them personally and we help people go on a journey where they where they unlock and discover hmm actually it's in my benefits for my health for my family, for my mental health, for my work life. It's in my benefit to actually care and to create a great customer experience. I'm going to have more fun. 
The customer's going to have more fun. My colleagues are going to have more fun. The day will go faster. Everyone will be happier. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that in that perspective of customer relationship also is that com- uh, issue around consistent customer service, mm. consistency, because it's like you get the customer service champions who want to offer all this extra stuff, but if they're the ones doing the extra stuff and the others are just doing the standard stuff, then you've got a mismatch, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, that's a bit, it, it can be a, a challenge for organisations. So the, so the more that um, one of the things I think that's really risen over the last 10 years has been, you know, the things like the knowledge libraries. So allowing more people to easily access information about products, services, or how to deal with problems that customers might have. Um, you know, those sorts of things help raise that level of consistency, but it is about, um, you know, ongoing, you know, staff training, staff development, coaching. We see now AI being a big part of that, auditing um, the calls that people are receiving and making, and then giving feedback to people pretty rapidly around the language they've been using, the services and the way they've described them and things like that. So, uh, the, the evolution of technology is making it possible for more and more organisations to become more consistent, but they need to measure it. One of the final perspectives to measure yourself against is technology. Mm. Uh, are you using technology to enhance customer service for existing and potential customers? So I can think of a company that we did customer service training with, and what came out of it was all the issues around customers turning up to pick up a, a product that wasn't that hadn't arrived but mm. they had no technology technological system or, or or trigger to even set like simple send an sms your product is here your product is not yet here uh, that was relying on a manual system so it's about people thinking a bit more outside the box and going if you have to do something more than once all the time mm. see if there's a tech uh, tech uh, tech technological solution to it. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think, look, we don't advocate just having a whole pile of, you know, technology and and shiny toys around just for the sake of it. I think they have to be useful. They have to be customer focused. But as you just said, like robotics can come straight into that sort of processing and things that are being done, manual processes that have been repeated. And it's very cost effective these days to, you know, to get into robotics and to start to, um, you know, for for $20,000, you can have a pretty effective bot, bot up and running, you know, processing a, a very large, you know, transaction almost immediately. So um, I think that's one of the key things. You can't have a standard without having a learning and growth perspective. Mm. So one of the first attributes is taking the view that it's everybody's responsibility to provide good customer service, even people in finance, yes. collection, accounts. Yes. yes. Um, the 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 sentry at your uh, gate. If you have one of those sentry boxes, yes. Sometimes they can be a little bit too officious and not <laughs> understand they're in customer service. Um, and also the ability to articulate why customer service is important. Um, why is customer service important, and what should companies tell their people? I think there. Yeah, my favourite attribute is definitely seven point one which is essentially says service or customer service is everybody's business. And, and to me, that's the ab- absolute core of what the standard is. Um, in, in terms of um, what organisations need to do around that is to promote that 
um, initially internally. So um, the leadership has to grasp onto it and say, customer service is my focus. Um, and then to their teams, customer service should be your number one priority. It's your job, even if you're in governance, risk, finance, um, no matter where you are in the organisation, we, we need to be as one focused on our customer promises and focused on our customers. And why is it important? Well, for any organisation, um, you know, scientifically proven, if you focus on your customers, you'll have more success for whatever success looks like for you. Learning and growth is such a big part of the standard. And the reason it is, is because, as you said, if you, if you have great employee engagement, which is really, as you've described, giving them purpose, um, if you have great employee engagement, then you have great customer service and then you have great organisational success. What do you think, Jeremy, is the biggest mistake companies make in customer service? What's the biggest gap when you sort of start looking at their processes? I think the biggest mistake is assuming that they know what their customer wants and that they've done, they've asked enough questions. And um, you cannot measure, you cannot ask, you cannot survey enough at every end of the time, every part of the journey. Um, and then I think so organizations do attempt to do that, don't get me wrong. But I think often they assume they've got the information they need and they go and build products and services based on that information without properly testing it. Now, I'm not saying that organisations don't spend hundreds of thousands on research and focus groups and, and consultants, but predominantly, what do we see? Not enough measurement at the, um, and assuming that the measurement that has been done is, is enough. Yeah, I think the best consultant they could get in would be themselves working with the uh, the standard and just uh, then maybe getting some of their team to get accredited in your, uh, I think that would be a, a worthy uh, use of their uh, training and marketing dollar. So um, totally agree. I've, I've held the Customer Service Institute of Australia and the Service Institute of America in the highest esteem for at since at least 2004 when I first came became involved. You also do the annual awards. Yes, we do. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, and we're planning to have a live event, uh, black, black tie sit-down meal once again. The last two years we've been online. Um, right. And prior to that, we're at the Melbourne Convention Centre. So, yeah, very excited. It's just opened for nominations last week and, we're expecting hundreds and hundreds of more fantastic stories from organisations and individuals all across Australia again this year. To be nominated, do you have to have been assessed according to the standard? No, you don't need to be a member of CSIA. You don't need to be a client of CSIA or oh. been through the process of certification. The awards are judged based on um, the four key perspectives that you've taken us through today of the standard, mm. but people just ne need to write a short um, paragraph relating their submission to each one of those perspectives mm. um, and provide, you know, all sorts of different types of supporting, supporting documentation or videos or pictures or whatever they'd like to send us. Um, for all the different categories. And again, you can go to the website and see all the different categories that are available for organisations and for individuals. And we'd love to have your nomination this year. Well, for all the listeners out there that want to win a customer service award, go to it. And also let me know that you've been inspired to uh, put in a submission because it's always nice to know that uh, a conversation like this has spurred people into action. So, and also, if you've got a good team that is giving great service, it's great acknowledgement and reward for them to, to actually rally together to, go, to, to seek an award. The Institute is doing great work, Jeremy. It's been fabulous talking with you today. 
Well, it's been lovely to be here today, Nina, and thank you very much. We, we love what we do, and we really don't want to do anything else other than to help people see the world through a customer lens. This episode, we've been speaking with Jeremy Larkins on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.